Yeah, I wouldn't say I believe in ghosts, but I'm haunted by my past. <laughs> Welcome back to River Heights Radio. I'm Carl Hauser. And I'm Hope Busby. Boy, what a day. We're so excited to be back in River Heights from Amish country. We uh, <laughs> we visited and got some dumplings and moon pies. And now we're back to talk about that hexing, flying, marriageable, witchy, witchy detective, detective Nancy, Nancy Drew. Drew. Today's book is The Sign of the Witch Hex Tree. No. That's not it. It's Today's close. book is The Witch Tree Symbol. And I read the 1955 version. And I read the 1970s. Version. There are minor differences, it sounds like. It seems like they dumbed mine down, and I like that. They're both a little dumbed down. This one's written by Harriet Stratemeyer Adams, and it is the mother load of eating disorder <laughs> theme <laughs> in Nancy Drew. Like, this book is mostly about food and Bess eating too much of it, and sometimes George and Nancy eating too much of it. You can just imagine Harriet sitting there on a diet trying to reduce <laughs> saying i can't eat it but i'll write about it yeah. <laughs> i'll write about everything i can't eat the main thing we learn about the pennsylvanian dutch culture wise is their food and also that their fear of witches they marry too young <laughs> yes and their fear of witches we start the book off with the sentence i wouldn't go into that spooky old house alone for anything said by a plump nervous woman uh mrs tenny who just moved to Nancy's neighborhood recently. Yeah, and she has asked Nancy to go to the Follett Mansion with her, which is a faded green Victorian mansion. Very dreary, you know. Nancy says, poo-poo, your great-aunt lived here perfectly safe for a number of years. We learn their great-aunt was losing everything all the time, except for her furniture, which she kept in the library and cataloged. Yeah, Miss Tenney says about the scary house, she's just lucky she didn't have any burglars. Yeah, yeah. Which I love because it makes it seem like the reason she's scared to go in there isn't because of, like, ghosts or ghouls. It's because it might be chock full of thieves. <laughs> yeah. And guess what? To her credit. All of her furniture is gone. Now, her great aunt died and she inherited half of the furniture or half the things in the house with no specifics about which half. She immediately is like, I know who did this. Mm -hmm. Nancy waited for the woman to explain. <laughs> she had only met Mrs. Tenney a short time ago and felt that it would be presumptuous to question her at the moment. As we know, Nancy will not question you if she met you this week. Well, not this about week. family matters. <laughs> she doesn't know. She just knows there's a clue to a mystery. Mrs. Tunney had heard of courageous, level-headed Nancy. And so she confides in her that her second cousin, Alpha Zine. Alpha Zin is the... Is it Zin or Zine? I don't know. I don't know either. Coolest name from any Nancy Drew book so far. And definitely sounds like a villain name, right? Or or a, like Space Ranger. I don't know. I'm Alpha like, Zin. oh no, are we learning the bad guy on the first page? But don't worry, it's probably just like the second chapter or something. Right. This book, we know who did it the whole time. It's remarkable when we meet Alpha Zin. I don't want to skip ahead too much, but he's delightful, so... Yeah. I end up not liking Mrs. Tenney that much because she doesn't have good things to say about this guy. She's never been friends with her cousin. <laughs> He's an antique dealer and a sharp trader. Now Nancy knows enough to know that these are not valid. 
valid reasons to think someone is a thief. But she's going to hold her tongue for now. Perhaps it was someone else, she suggested. (laughs) Every time Nancy's like, well, maybe it was someone else. Mrs. Tenney being like, no, it was Alpha Zen. (laughs) Nancy does find a clue. It's a crumpled piece of paper. Oh my. With drawn on it in crayon, very professional, a white rimmed circle with a red center in which was a black star. Piece of colorful paper? This is like somebody got construction paper and crayons (laughs) and drew out their symbol, okay? The most sophisticated of thieves. In case you were wondering what this symbol is, underneath it conveniently it says witch tree symbol. Wait, witch tree symbol? Witch tree symbol. A witch tree symbol. Nancy felt sure that the hex sign was a clue. So it's a Pennsylvanian Dutch hex sign. And Mrs. Tenney says, well, I guess that's all the proof we need. That's where Alpha Zinn lives. He lives out there in Pennsylvania. (laughs) Nancy has to admit he is a logical suspect, but she is far from being completely convinced. Yeah, I love that she asks Miss Tenney, well, what, so what is a witch tree symbol? And Mrs. Tenney's like, I don't know and I don't care. What difference does it make when we know he's guilty? Yeah, yeah. The sign is described as a quaint hex sign that comes from the days of witchcraft. Now, as a practicing witch, I don't appreciate how much this book tries to say that witchcraft is in the past. Really how witches are painted in general. Yeah, I don't like how much great. I don't like how much this book implies that witchcraft has a lot to do with flying around on brooms and putting symbols on trees. Yeah, hexing people. Hexing right? people, yeah. Uh which it's confusing because they also say the hexes are to keep the witches away, but then they freely also use it as like a bad luck spell that someone put on you. I hope you know nothing about witchcraft. <laughs> you gotta fight fire with fire. It reminded me of something you talked to me about about how in the 1950s people didn't have this understanding that anything had ever been different actually watching a youtube video uh, by someone i like big joel he had done a whole thing on 1950s propaganda um you know those old films that are like how to fit in at school how to brush your teeth he said what was so interesting is as these parents or what or whomever talked to their children about how to behave and how to be and how we are in America, they would say it with such specificity and not even acknowledge, you know, when they say, well, when a boy meets a girl, this is what happens. Mm-hmm. We did the same thing. And it's like, well, wasn't there a world war raging when you were doing it? Wasn't the world <laughs> entirely different? Like, did our grandparents in the midst of the Great Depression do the same thing but there's not an acknowledgement of that past just like yes we figured out the way to do it and this is the way yeah yeah um and yeah it's got that same vibe witchcraft is not the way it's not what's real and we uh, all know now and even the pennsylvania dutch who are painted in this book as remnants of the past like this whole book feels like nancy drew time travels to the pioneer days yeah even they start by saying we now know witches are not real what silliness Mm -hmm. before immediately delving into superstition and craziness yeah best especially really buys in best buys into anything that makes her scared nancy drew says to mrs tenney i'm not convinced why don't we talk about what happened that day how would a person alpha zin or a burglar have gotten in here mrs tenney gets like a faraway look on her face and then she says that 
that man locked the door. Nancy sighed to herself. The woman certainly was giving a confused account of things. She patiently hears her out, decides that the man fake locked it, basically. Well, it was just some guy who came up to Mrs. Tenney and was like, I like antique furniture. Let me come into the house, look around, I'll lock up when I leave. Yeah. And yet Mrs. Tenney's like, it was my cousin in Pennsylvania who did this. Yeah, she's pretty convinced. Nancy says, never mind that you don't remember his name. Never mind that you don't remember which hotel he said he was staying at. I'll just go to all the hotels, Mrs. Tenney. How about I just go to all the hotels and and ask about an antique dealer? You know, I didn't read the sarcasm in the book, but when you say it, (laughs) it does sound like Nancy Drew just being like, oh, let me just take care of everything. (laughs) But just then they hear someone walking around on the second floor. Mrs. Tenney is proven right. Chock full of burglars. Mrs. Tenney says, don't go after him, you might get hurt, and then she faints. Yeah, Nancy's gonna go catch this guy, Mm. but Mrs. Tenney, in a fit of being the worst, (laughs) just faints behind her because there was a noise upstairs. Unfortunately, Nancy feels like she has to give her first aid, but she does through the window see a tall, slender man running away. Aha, more proof it's not Alpha Zinn, as Mrs. Tenney describes him as stout and plump. Mm Mm-hmm. Although the woman, upon waking up, was almost too distraught to talk, Nancy questions her further as she learns the mystery man is tall, slender, and dark with flashing eyes and was soft-spoken. Do they call him dark in the 1970s? Tall, slender, and dark. Flashing eyes, soft-spoken. Yeah. And of course, that's not at all Alpha Zinn, who isn't just short and plump, but described as he eats too much. Yeah, he eats too much. I personally think Alpha Zinn is innocent. It becomes very clear that he's innocent. <laughs> but this other guy is probably the villain. I think is coded to be Romani. Oh, well, yeah, uh... The, the G word comes up later. Yeah. And almost out of nowhere. So, yeah, he may well be. That makes a lot of sense. Whenever the Nancy Drew books say dark with flashing eyes, I feel like that that's where they're going with it. I feel like I'm so removed from how subtle racism was used in these books. We're taught to be colorblind to the degree. We miss that this is racist. When she goes to the hotel, one of the hotels... It specifically says she asks for a tall, slender, dark-haired, soft-spoken man. So it is interesting. They are almost purposely vague. They, yeah, they are. In the 1950s on, they're always being vague about race. It's honestly the flashing eyes more than the darkness they always use when they're stereotyping Romani people. Uh, yeah, I guess if you're not Romani, you'll just have black eyes. <laughs> and also the tall, oh, slender, because... I don't know if you remember, but they will often make them like scarecrow-like. Lanky, right, okay. I wish I knew the number of that minisode, but we did a minisode that is very applicable to this, where we talked about the moss-covered mansion and other books, and we talked about stereotypes against Romani people and the harm that does. Link in the description. Well, this description of the man was certainly enough for the hotel clerk. who smiled and said, I guess you mean Mr. Roger Holt. Yeah. Okay, easy. And now we know the name of the bad guy. Yep. That far into the book. And that's the bad guy, folks. That's the end of the first chapter. No surprises. We know what's up. Mrs. Tenney says, Okay, I know you're a good detective. Can you go out to my second cousin in Pennsylvania and say to him, without letting him know I'm suspicious of him, hey, do you have my furniture? Like, and Nancy's like, mm, 
we'll think about it. I do want to practice my German. <laughs> Mr. Roger Holt checked out 15 minutes before Nancy gets there, which certainly implied guilt. She learns that Roger Holt is from New York City, so she decides maybe I was wrong. He's not from Pennsylvania. But then she takes the hotel manager into her confidence and finds out he made a long distance call to Pennsylvania three days ago. Lancaster, Pennsylvania? I like that in this book they do a lot of descriptions of Nancy. Nancy's heart was beating faster. Nancy's eyes were bright with excitement as she discovers this news. Also, we learned she was never happier than when working on a new mystery. It's time for your Chief McGinnis visit of the book. Chief McGinnis. Out with it, Nancy. What is it this time? Another mystery? <laughs> You're getting good at that. Now stop teasing, says Nancy, blushing a little. Well, I guess if you couldn't guess that, you wouldn't be such a good police officer. Butter him up. <laughs> they do have a file on Roger Holt, who also has a slight scar on his chin. I love that she's like, hey, uh, can you give me confidential information about Roger Holt? And he's like, let me check the filing cabinet of criminals. The big filing cabinet of all the criminals in the world. <laughs> now, what I do like, too, is that both Mrs. Tenney and the police file say that Roger Holt is soft-spoken specifically that's part of his description it is in the police file what does that mean i don't know but it never comes up again like you would think that at some point she finds out that a soft-spoken person had been at some location and she's like oh roger holt nope yeah. and i don't think it ever comes it's always up. so crazy when you're arrested they take your thumbprint they take your picture <laughs> yeah. they ask how you're spoken i'm just imagining someone who's so soft-spoken that they have to write it down like <laughs> barely hear him he grew up in lancaster he's a jewelry thief i really think you could say that jewelry stealing is like the gateway drug to like stealing furniture i love that the uh last jewel thievery happened right here made one big haul here in river heights <laughs> like why here yeah you would think nancy would have heard about that nancy memorizes his picture that's in the police file chief mcginnis says i'd like to bet right now that you'll pr probably find him first nancy's like yeah but that's not fair to you because you can't go to pennsylvania and that's where i'm headed she kind of takes him into her confidence is like this is what's happening with the furniture as mrs tenney reported that stolen mm -hmm. no no she hasn't reported anything mm -hmm. so they have to like have this whole part of calling up mm -hmm. mrs, mrs. tenny yeah. and like ordering her to give a list of the things that are missing <laughs> so we've already seen that alpha zen eats too much now we go home to hannah who is obsessed with like the fact that they have irregular meal times nancy hannah said don't you ever get hungry the first meal of the book is introduced mm -mm, old-fashioned homemade chicken soup which is apparently a favorite of carson's and also is just an appetizer i guess to roast beef and apple pie they 100 percent cut this meal out of the 75 version did they really yeah. i am wondering how much food they cut out because she put in a lot so carson is puzzled about the hex sign he feels that the trip would be a very interesting one for his daughter so he says yeah go to pennsylvania and bring bess and george because it might be dangerous. <laughs> That's a grand idea, Dad. George says, when do we start? She is boyish in her manner. And she says, I can pack in a jiffy. I love that 
you'd have a whole conversation with them, and I, I only had, Bess and George, who were cousins, were eager to make the trip and soon received their parents' permission. That's all I got. Okay, I think that was also in mine, but yeah, there's more. Nancy notices something's up. Yeah, what's under her feet? Is it nothing? Yeah, her frisky fox terrier is nowhere to be found, and it's dinner time, and in my version, it talks about how he would always come around dinner time to the kitchen to get scraps. Um, it just tells me that he's usually underfoot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it doesn't give you a reason why he's underfoot. Nope. But it's food, of course. Nancy. Uh, it's all food that's cut out of mine. Yeah. <laughs> Nancy notices this and says, where is Togo? And Hannah says, oh, he kind of was nuzzling around the door, so I let him out. And you said that in your version, Hannah said he just ran out. Oh, just, I let him out for a run. You better go get him. Let him out for a run. Very reasonable. Nancy did not approve of her pet roaming the streets. But she did not want to hurt Hannah's feelings. Therefore, she made no comment. How often is Nancy holding back from commenting on Hannah's work? She treats Hannah like a child, yeah, honestly. Yeah, no, she does. She does. <laughs> but you said there was nothing like that in yours? Not really, no. Now they can proceed to have a whole conversation about how Hannah is not feeling good about this hex business. Nancy assures her that that's an old-fashioned worry. People today don't believe in witchcraft. The housekeeper was not convinced. I love that so much because, again, they cut that out of mind. Hannah is always the one who's superstitious. Mm -hmm. You remember when Nancy got a blanket that said beware. That caused her to scream in terror. Mm -hmm. The word beware. So a hex symbol, I would imagine, is going to put Hannah over the edge. Yeah, Hannah says, I've heard some pretty frightening stories. I wouldn't want anything like that to happen to you. Frightening story. So after this conversation, Nancy decides to finally go look for Togo outside. She's getting really nervous because she's calling and calling and she doesn't see mm -hmm. him. Finally, she sees him. A car drives past and he starts to come across the street. He looked both ways. The car does a 180. Whole U-turn. And speeds up and swerves towards Togo. Very obviously, purposely runs into Togo, who goes flying to the side of the road. Togo, Nancy yelled as the car flashed past. He gives a yelp of pain. Oof. Now, uh, Togo, thank God, only had a long cut on his hip. You'd think that would be more blunt damage, but there you have it. Though Nancy had been worried that he was mortally injured and said, Oh, you poor little thing. He stands up and Nancy's heart leaped with joy. Her beloved pet was going to be all right. Like, that's really all it takes is standing up. I love up. it. I love it. So they, you know, clean it all up. And Hannah goes into a tirade about hit and run drivers. This is where in the 75 version, Hannah blames the hex for what happened. Yep. Uh, she says, hex signs bring trouble. Perhaps that hex means business, she declared. <laughs> that is not the wording I think that was in mine. Because this is where Nancy mm. and mine finally says, oh, Hannah, people don't believe in hexes or witch symbols. Maybe, but maybe you should just leave this case alone. That man in the car hexed Togo for sure. Hexed him with the front of his grill. Nancy says, that is not possible. As to all this hex business, we are intelligent people and don't believe in witchcraft. Hannah, that's wishing bad luck on someone, not causing it like he did. I swear, it is so like she's a child. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Nancy also says, well, I gotta go to Pennsylvania. I have to practice my German. Hannah says, there's something queer about that witch tree symbol. I don't like it. And Carson says, we are intelligent people and don't believe in witchcraft. 
left. Rise to our level, Hannah. It wasn't until the next morning that something even worse happened. Nancy gets a special delivery letter from Montville. It's the symbol again, but instead of underneath it saying the witch tree symbol, it says, stay home. (gasps) Trouble, Hannah Gruen predicted gloomily. Nancy, of course, is more intrigued than ever. She gives Hannah a resounding kiss and says not to worry about her. Hannah says, I am going to worry, but I'll hold good thoughts for you. Nancy also throws a kiss to Hannah as she drives away. So now we meet Bess, who is slightly overweight. So I think that's past plump. Though in the pictures in this book, she is like as skinny or skinnier than Nancy. It's so funny. We're going to, when we live tweet this, we're definitely going to put up some of the pictures because it's hilarious to see Bess looking starved. She's excited about getting to have the best food in the United States. Pennsylvania Dutch cooking is famous, she exclaimed. What meals we'll have. What a place to eat. (laughs) That's great. Bess is a gay companion, loyal, and though Bess was sometimes less courageous than George and Nancy, when working on mysteries, she was never timid about trying new foods. Meanwhile, trim, dark-haired George Fane, who lived nearby, proclaimed that it was a grand day for weather. August's weather is great for a vacation. She said it's good for sports. Sports? Did, did she not say oh, that in yours? She said it's great for sports. <laughs> and I'm... perfect weather for solving a mystery, Nancy laughed. Best thinks, no, it is not good weather it is too hot in august which i agree with it just tripped mine down Uh, so much yeah because the thing about my version is george and bess are immediately at each other's throats all george says is it's a great day for sports basically and bess says no it's not it's too hot and so it's also a dig at bess for not liking sports yeah and then nancy has to laughingly intervene and say it's too early in the morning to argue even in a friendly way guys oh my gosh no literally so so they set bess and george up to be like not getting along we go straight in my book into Bess begging, tell us about the mystery. I hope it's not a dangerous one. She says, you were pretty vague on the phone. I hope it's not a dangerous one. Shaggy do <laughs> either way. I love these slight differences. Yeah. Okay. The two girls listened intently, knowing that if they were to be of assistance, they would need to know these details. <laughs> Bess also doesn't like hexes. Nancy says she doesn't believe in hexes, nor in ghosts, zombies, or witchcraft. But, Nancy declared, I understand there are some people in the back country of Pennsylvania who still think it's possible to hex people. And I think it's so funny because, like, where did zombies come from? I don't know. I do not have zombies in mind. Um, <laughs> well, that was a good edit because yeah, well, ghosts we, are pretty established, witches are pertain to this book. My assumption is it goes back to the idea of zombies stemming from voodoo traditions so she's trying to like list different areas of superstition of of witchy superstition because zombies would be people controlled by witches through, through magic in some way well thank goodness that most of the farmers just laugh at this nowadays i still like the idea of her being like not witches not people coming from the earth to eat brains 
the title of this chapter is Chust for Pretty, and it is so confusing. Like, I looked up the word chust, and I'm like, I couldn't find anything. What does this word mean? Well, even Bess thinks all these hexes on the barns are attractive, and they stop and ask some farmer coming out of, big, of an especially big red barn. A burly man. A burly man. Hey, uh, what does that mean? What are the symbols on that mean? All these hexes everywhere. He says, it's chust for pretty. Now, does your book italicize chust? I don't think so, but maybe. Every time chust comes up, it's italicized in my book, which makes it seem like it is something important. It's just how they say just. Harriet Adams really tries to capture the dialect, and I have no way of knowing how successful she is, but... It doesn't feel successful. (laughs) Yes, thank you. He says, it's just to make pretty the barn, but queer folk think it is for to chase witches. That is foolish, ain't it? Ain't? Remember, it's never ain't it. It's just ain't. I said it wrong. Ain't. Also, they they cut the queer folks out of mine, just some folks. That's like their A, right? Yeah, yeah. By the 70s, would queer have had a different connotation? I think so. Oh, well, I would expect so, right? And did they um, did they still call Bess a gay companion? Uh, no. Just pretty blonde and blue-eyed. Yeah, this is what progress looks like. <laughs> Shut up. I'm being sarcastic, just for the yeah, listener yeah. to know. George said, I could hardly figure out that man's quaint language. Nancy agrees that might be a problem. They might not be able to understand everyone on this trip. But she says, I think if we don't understand, we'd better ask. I love this. Mine says, this is so so well worded. And if we don't understand, I think we better tell the speaker. That's <laughs> completely different. <laughs> tell them. Oh. Tell them we don't understand. <laughs> I like ask better. Yeah. Nancy gives Bess and George a lesson about Amish people. House Amish are fully Amish, very rustic at home and at church and church Amish just go to church and they're okay with cars and things yep yeah where is Mr. Alphazin's home George asked beyond Lancaster in the part where the Amish live but just then the car began to chug particularly and started slowing down that's funny Nancy said frowning I have plenty of gasoline so that's not the trouble yeah they they study the dials the oil the gas and the temperature are all good but the car does stop Nancy got out raised the hood of the car and looked for loose or broken wires she could find none we're really stuck she says the hex is already working Bess wailed now a spell has been put on our car Nancy says, I can almost believe you, Bess, but I shan't let it work long. Part of the theme of this book is Nancy has a lot of bad luck. Yeah. Uh, And it's always the hex. Well, why do you think it takes so many chapters to prove what we know in the first chapter that Roger Holt stole the furniture? It takes so long. Nancy will never accept that hexes or witchcraft are real. But once in a while, she'll kind of tip her hand and be like, but if they are, I'll get the better of them. (laughs) Which I just think is kind of just like a badass way of being like, hex me if you want to. I'm still going to solve this case. Yeah. But sometimes it's she's like, hex me if you want to. That's not real. Right? So it just really varies. So they sit and wait for a hitch. Best studies the map. And a 16-year-old girl walks by with a faraway look. She doesn't say hi. She only nods. And Nancy says, that's odd. Country folks are usually very friendly. Maybe it's custom 
for strangers to speak first in Amish country. That seems, I don't know if that's true. That seems bizarre. The Amish girl was very pretty with large brown eyes and long lashes. She's walking 10 miles from Lancaster to her home. She's worried her dad won't take her back. Politely, the girls don't ask for any details. But Amanda trusts the three friendly girls and shares she used to work at a bakery in Lancaster. She had ran away from her overly harsh, strict Amish father. She'd also been doing night school. She wanted to study more and learn about the world. She decided recently that perhaps it was wrong to want to learn about the world. Life was good on the Amish farm, and there was never any want. But she tells them that Rudolph can fix their car. He lives about a mile away, and he's church Amish. So Nancy walks with Manda. Manda tells her that they only had two books, the Bible and the Galbrouch book. What is that, Nancy asked? Well, basically, it's a book of, like, folk healing, right? Powwowing. They call it powwowing. Uh, you lay hands on the eel. Nancy offers a ride, but Manda said, my dad is house Amish. Never forgive me if I came home in an automobile. Yeah. Rudolph is not a fan of George. He says, you are a girl. Your name is George, ain't? And the tomboyish girl did not take offense. She had not named herself, but I like having a boy's name. It's different. Rudolph made no further comment. Among plain people, a man has a man's name and a woman a woman's name. Mm -hmm. George doesn't mention, as she could based on earlier canon, that her name is Georgia. Yeah, but that's only in some of the books. Right. I mean, there's some canon Mm -hmm. that says she could have said Georgia, but here she doesn't. So George's name remains a mystery to us readers. So apparently there's just a twist in the old feed line in the car. Of course. Many's the time I've had that problem. Nancy pays him and she asks about Alpha Zinn. He says his prices are too high and that is not the way we Amish would do. They don't charge too much. He said no more because apparently he was a man of few words. I mean, that seems like a pretty decent amount of words, but whatever. So Nancy and the gals decide that before they do anything else, they should stop by the Crute's home and see if Manda made it home safely. Well, after all, they all agree they're hungry. Do they just expect to be fed there? No, but they're like, even though we're hungry, we're going to stop by the Crute's home. They know they're going to be fed there, those jerks. Even though they're all hungry, George makes a point of saying, Bess will have to wait to eat. <laughs> Jerk. Their pretense is in case her dad won't let her in, they will give her a ride wherever she wants to go. Nice. And it's unfortunate that they're a bit late for that because that would have really changed the course of this whole book. The whole book. Of course, then maybe Nancy would have never solved anything. We don't know. They approach the house and knock, asking, Is Manda at home? You know Manda? The woman who answered asked. Mrs. Cruz is crying and Nancy was sure that things had not gone well. He said, she could come back into their household but nobody would ever talk to her which is like the biggest silent treatment i've ever heard about so uncomfortable so of course she doesn't stay but mrs krutz says papa is meister and we obey him yeah whatever instructions papa gave had to be obeyed but maybe papa would listen to you since you are outside of our family what he will not admit to us his feelings are hurt because his only daughter has left home please talk to him about manda he is near the barn by the bullpens so now we're in the 50s And we started out in the 20s with these books. Mm -hmm. And we talked, I think, in like the first episode about this kind of fake feminism. Like, Mm -hmm. look how far we've come. We're not like that anymore. 
Yeah. But I haven't seen a lot of progress. One way they try to make it seem like there's been progress, they put these girls up against Mr. Kreutz, Mm -hmm. who is just very misogynistic, sexist, very anti-female. And it comes back for me with the feeling that things have always been this way or this is the right Mm -hmm. way for things to be. Because as Nancy meets up with these misogynistic, not just outdated, but horrifyingly patriarchal and sexist views her reaction to them in many ways is like oh how quaint like obviously that's not what we do yeah that's not how it is in the real world that's not how it is amongst normals what an interesting little thing you're doing here and i don't know mr Kreutz votes you know mr Kreutz still gets to vote on elections Mm. for the representatives that make decisions about the laws that affect you nancy Mm. so you know maybe we can't just say oh how how lovely and quaint that they're so silly and superstitious and misogynistic at least we in the real world know that you date boys around for a bit i don't think it's a great time to approach someone for conversation when they're inside of a bullpen especially not if you're gonna piss the bull off but bess and george and nancy think that's a fine time to begin a conversation which does piss the bull off since mr Kreutz is distracted the bull throws him they take mr Kreutz out of the pen you know save his life basically Mm -hmm. so now he owes them one so mrs Kreutz uses this as a chance to invite them to dinner she specifically asks if they cook bake and house clean back home oh my yes they say in unison mr Kreutz grunted in satisfaction i don't think i could have dinner there like i think that would be the moment i'd be like this is too much like why are we even here like this is not our business to help this person we just met on the street reunite with her clearly abusive father oh yeah you know but that's not the way they think so this is one of the meals of the book arguably the meal of the book Mm. there are brown and yellow and white cheeses red purple and white grape jellies homemade bread stacked on a platter dishes of apple butter stewed peaches canned cherries pickled onions sour cantaloupe and corn relish there is boiled pot pie made of rabbit and fluffy two inch squares of pastry it's like one hell of a charcuterie board yeah where's manda though Kreutz is very mad to learn that his threat of permanent silent treatment chased off his daughter again the girls ordinarily would have left in this sort of circumstance mr Kreutz abruptly barked eat your supper though yeah and they had to they had to very uncomfortably mrs Kreutz says you have city appetites And George says, I suppose we have. That is, all of us except Bess. As her plump cousin reached for a piece of cake. Oh, man. Luckily, uh, Mr. Kreutz gets it. In Amish country, we like a little flesh on our maidens. A little junk in the trunk. (laughs) A little badonk I could squeeze that. Stop it, Mr. Kreutz. Stop it. Mrs. Kreutz gets Mr. Kreutz to agree that they can stay the night, which means that now Nancy can ask him whatever she wants. He can't kick her out. Because, perhaps they assume, yeah. the Pennsylvania Dutch, once making a promise, cannot go back on it. Once he tells her the, the gist of things, she says, you say part of your security is your family. 
then wouldn't you be happier if all your family were together? You are wise beyond your years, said Mr. Kreutz. You have good sense. Did he call her a very unusual girl? Uh, no. Yeah, because this whole thing becomes for a little while, like, maybe you are okay. Like, most girls not, but maybe you are, Nancy Drew. He does later say, such a nice girl. I cannot understand why your papa lets you do things like this. Mm -hmm. You should be home cooking and cleaning. Exactly. Bess and George told the Amish couple about Nancy's fine accomplishments. She's restored lots of people to their families, Bess explained, and brought others peace of mind. If you can find missing persons, said the farmer, please bring my daughter home. I want her here. Which, like, if we didn't know he was a controlling bastard, would be a sweet sentiment, but it's really just he wants her here instead of somewhere else. Yeah, because to control her some more. Yeah. It is interesting, the subtle differences between your passage and mine. They took some phrases out and they added other phrases. Interesting. And to me, I can't really tell the difference. So, whatever. <laughs> They're just sitting there right. It, looks, it has to look like we did something. Mind you, I don't approve of this girl detective business. Mm -hmm. Secretly, the young detective didn't feel very confident. It would be a real challenge to find Manda. She had a feeling it would take the rest of the book. <laughs> he doesn't approve of the girl detective business, but if you find Manda, maybe I will change the mind over. Well, says Nancy, if you feel well enough to go outside, I'd be glad to give you a lesson. Yeah, Mama, you come too. You should learn how the detectives make. Huh? Nancy finds uh, another piece of paper that says witch tree on it. <gasps> Mr. Kreutz says, oh yeah, once I caught Holt stealing tools from my barn. Yeah, so Holt's been a thief since the beginning. He started with tools, then he moved up to jewelry, and now he's on antique furniture. Mr. Kreutz assures them, we Amish do not believe in hexing. Some non-Amish people in the back country practice witchcraft. Nancy says, Roger Holt can try hexing me all he pleases. Come at me. Come at me, bro. They pack up and start to leave in the morning, but Mrs. Kreutz insists that they stay. Better start sleuthing and work up good appetites, they say. They go to the Stum Bakery. The reason they go to bakeries in mine is just that Bess wants to try samples. What? Really? We're heading for Lancaster, Nancy told her friends as they drove away from the Kreutz farm. Let's check the bakeries there, Bess said. I wouldn't mind a few samples. The uh -huh. others laughed but agreed. What they're doing is they're trying to find where Amanda worked. They know she worked at a bakery, but they don't know which one. So they end up at they Stum they literally never say that she worked at a bakery in mine before they go to the bakeries. That's like, absurd. I'm just like, I guess that's that what they'll is check. That's really weird. Okay, but yeah, so they end up at the Stum Bakery, which is apparently where Manda worked. George and Bess stay in the car. Nancy goes in and she says, you know, uh, where did Manda go? And they say, well, I do know that she was thinking about taking a housekeeping position. Mm, with an Amish couple who came in here, but they're not locals. Nancy buys some Fastnachts, which are donuts. It's like kind of square donuts. Bess, if you can eat again after that huge breakfast, you can help yourself to a donut. I didn't have that, but That's Bess, watch yourself. So evil. Yeah. That's so bad. So now you're enabling and mocking? Yeah, yeah. What? I know um, this is what you want, you fat jerk. None of the real estate agents know about a new couple. Who have recently bought a farm. Nope. So maybe it was a direct sale. Well, in the meantime, let's go to Mr. Zins. They pretend to shop for antiques. 
because they don't want to tell him why they're there. So Alpha Zin's appearance bore out his great love of eating. He's roly-poly, but he looks trustworthy. Nancy is still on guard. Nancy wanders off to do some investigating while Bess and George keep Mr. Zinn preoccupied. Yeah, Nancy doesn't see a lot of furniture that matches the description of the one stolen, seeing mostly pine and maple while the articles on the list were described as dark wood. But suddenly, in the corner, a cherry table, matching the sketch perfectly as the one once owned by George Washington. It's around now that Mr. Zinn realizes something is up. Is your friend by any chance snooping for some reason? What a weird thing to ask of a customer. Mm-hmm. Like, do people not usually look around your shop? <laughs> like, how often are you in a Hallmark store looking through the cards and someone's like, are you snooping? If anything, this whole book made him seem suspicious. That was the thing. Yeah, that was the, that's the one, the villain moment. George says, my friend is a nice girl. Haughtily, she says that. Uh, Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not saying your friend would take anything, but I have to be careful, you understand. They've definitely painted him as a little bit paranoid. He's very into his possessions and into his money and into his food. He's supposed to represent greed. Yeah, I love how quickly his his name gets cleared, though, here in the next conversation. Mm. Uh, Did you find anything you like, he asks Nancy. And she says, yes, I'm very interested in that uh, little table over there. He tells them that this is a replica he made of the original George Washington table. A very good copy, I might add. I'm a cabinet maker as well as an antique dealer. He tells them that the original had a great secret in a hidden drawer. And maybe that's why the furniture thieves took it. Recently, he was robbed of a few items, including a matching table that was a replica, I believe. Yeah, so this is the point where he says, well, actually, there's another one. Uh, There's two of them in River Heights. Uh, Mm. That's where I copied it from. Yeah, there's a bunch of furniture in River Heights that I'm going to have because I, I got half of it. Mm-hmm. Just like being very blasé about clearly not knowing anything was stolen. Yeah, and so Nancy decides that unless he were a clever actor, he's clearly innocent. And we know that Nancy Drew villains are never clever actors. Except <laughs> they, for Thomas Renee. They're Rene. sometimes actors. Thomas Renee but, was pretty good. Yeah. Anyways, when he's told of the robbery, he gets all red and his neck muscles become taut. I love that. That reaction proves that he's innocent. He went to high school with a hole. Not the Holt. Bess is hungry. George says, Miss Marvin, you had a big breakfast and three donuts cents. You ought not to eat until tomorrow. God damn. Right? It's vicious. It's encouraging an eating disorder. No, thank you, George. Bess says, it must be the country air. And Mr. Zinn invites them for lunch. They have shoe fly pie. They try to get the recipe, but it is a secret. George is disgusted when Bess mentions the hex again. So they go out and they're driving away and suddenly an Amish driver overtakes them. Bess calls him a speed demon and George says he's probably late for some appointment. You're overreacting, Bess. He doesn't follow them. He speeds off. Mm -hmm, Past them. See? No big deal. Nancy rounds a corner. Cinder blocks! Crash. Bess hits her head badly on the mirror and blacks out. George says, all of us might have been killed. Whoever could have been so careless? How, said Bess, 
sinking down again and putting her hand to her forehead. Bess says, the hex is working, and George gives her a dark look. This was done deliberately, says Nancy, seeing a neat stack of cinder blocks to the side of the road. Bess manages to find a clue. A piece of paper with writing on it. Listen, she cried and read, Nancy Drew, witches are not wanted in Amish country. Nancy thinks, aha, it must be Roger Holt. He drove past us, got out of his car, put these cinder blocks in our way, and got back into his car and still drove away by the time we came here. I knew we shouldn't have been driving at five miles an hour she makes the conclusion that manda must work for the holtz i can't find the holtz Mm. i can't find this new couple same people yeah we've often talked about how her mysteries are always connected bess keeps being such a nag she's like how long are we gonna follow these freaking tire (laughs) tracks and finally she says can we just go home i have a headache why didn't you tell me before nancy said kindly Of course we can go home. From their years of friendship with the young detective, Bess and George had learned to let Nancy act as a spokesman. So Bess is very vague about how she bumped her head when she talks to Mrs. Kreutz. Nancy goes ahead and explains things, and Mrs. Kreutz is like, let me get you some old school Amish powwow healing. As well as liniment. At least she gives him some liniment as well. Yeah, let's mix it together. And it works. Bess goes to sleep for a nap which is good after a head injury, as we've discussed. And George and Nancy help make dinner. Moon pies. Here we do get a little bit of a recipe. So Mrs. K says, we will have moon pies tonight. And George says, I'll bet they'll taste out of this world. Oh my God. Her response to this. Kills me, right? Yeah. Mrs. K says, that is a good joke. And I suppose you have never heard of them. Come, we will prepare. Like, yeah, that is a good joke is not what you say when it was a good joke. It reminds me of sometimes you do say that and don't laugh. And I'm like, wait a second. I'm being sincere. What kills me even more is (laughs) I suppose you have never heard of them because that almost implies that they aren't out of this world. Like, actually, I guess you've never eaten them because they're nasty. No, they're terrible. (laughs) They're awful. George later learns that they look just like half moons because they're hand pies, basically. George says, Bess must be back to normal. She's hungry. Oh my God, George. Really? Mr. Crude says that he will not let the police be involved in this. Only Nancy. Nancy is asked what else they did that day and mentions offhandedly the note. Mr. Crute says, Du bin en hexmandel. Nancy says, but I'm not a witch girl. And Mr. and Mrs. Crute's are quite cool to them from then on. That's all it takes is like the mentioning of this note saying they were witches. And the note didn't even say they were witches. It only said that witches Witches, weren't allowed here. Nancy, Bess, and George, as you might imagine, are nonplussed by this treatment. Bess says, let's move out. And George says, imagine them thinking you're a witch. Nancy says, there's something to this that they haven't told us. What we find out is that that isn't the case. They're just idiots. Nancy does admit that people being scared of them might be bad for solving the mystery. (laughs) Have a difficult time. Bess, who is sensitive by nature, did not want to stay where she was shunned. George is angry. I've never been treated so badly by nice people. I love that. Nancy says, maybe we shouldn't blame them too much. They may have been told some witch is responsible for Manda's disappearance. It's very unsatisfying. Oh my god. They head to New Holland. Nancy says, we'd better keep this witch business to ourselves or we may not find a place to sleep. 
Will we keep looking for Manda, Bess asked? <laughs> Certainly. If she's working for a thief, I want to warn her as soon as possible. Yeah. First of all, just a quick leftist call out for everyone. We're all working for thieves. They're exploiting you. <laughs> the pleasant Mrs. Glick takes them into her inn. She has two children, Becky and Henner. They're adorable and how healthy looking. Papa Glick had a bad accident two years ago and had to give up farming. Now he's a Schumacher. The cobbler and his wife also run an inn. The rooms are spanking Does it say clean. Spanking clean. And just as cheerful as a good spanking. As a good spanking. <laughs> <laughs> They know of the couple that Manda was with. We do not approve of young girls running away from home, but maybe her father was too strict, they say. Yeah, it's not good for girls to do that, but abuse is bad too, I guess. They say that the couple that she was with talked like they weren't from around here. They talked like English, which means foreigners. Yeah, anyone who's not us is English. (laughs) Nancy worries that Manda might get into serious trouble with the law if she stays with thieves. They also find out that at the carriage factory, a carriage and a black horse has been stolen. Nancy, after all, feels that if they're pretending to be Amish, they're going to need a carriage. Mm. So pretty good clues to go on. George's take on all this is, who wants the honor of pulling off his false beard? That's great. I don't think I have that. I I love that. (laughs) It's just so Scooby-Doo. Yeah. The writers of Scooby-Doo certainly leaned into the tropes and trappings of the classic teen mystery genre. So I think you're going to get a lot of Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew type of stuff in your Scooby-Doo for sure. This is one of the few times we see some sympathy towards the fact that somebody innocent might have to testify in court george is like that would look really bad and crush her parents that she has to testify against these burglars in court (laughs) that doesn't even come up in mind it's great (laughs) they visit mr zinn who is in a great mood he's just been paid a lot of money for his george washington table he sold it to the holtz at a high price unfortunately nancy identifies the money he got as counterfeit she gets the police involved mrs zinn who is more philosophical than her husband did not let the loss bother her george caught bess secretly weighing herself on a scale in the barn is that in yours no god no you pointed out how messed up this is she walks up behind bess and reads the amount on the scale and says bess marvin you've gained five pounds since you left home Dude, when you told me this, I'm blown away. I'm blown away by the fact that her cousin keeps track of her weight. Mm. I'm blown away by the fact that she'd sneak up and look. Mm -hmm. She's shaming her. It's just not okay. The way eating is treated in this book is not okay. True. Bess was embarrassed momentarily, but then she knows how to make this situation better. She makes George weigh herself. And George says she might have to plow for two solid hours to lose the extra pounds she's put on even though she's constantly described as scrawny mr zinn comes in angry you come around here pretending to be friends and this is what you do to me you've been found out Nancy was nonplussed. She's been framed. There are two lamps put in her car. I'm sure this is Roger Holt's work, Nancy declared. He planted the lamps there and got his wife to make the call. The woman told me you're a witch, and now I believe it. Mrs. Zinn says, oh, Papa, do not say such things. He tells them that a young woman called and said that a girl who looked very innocent but was really a witch would come along. She goes around stealing valuables 
And this anonymous tipper said to check her car. So there you go. This very much reminds me of they put furs over her head and stuffed her in the closet because the person she's been chasing was like, the next person who comes here will be Nancy Drew a thief. If someone says a person's a thief, it's automatically true. Mrs. Zinn says these girls cannot be thieves. They are nice people. They are trying to help you. Nancy tried not to raise her voice, although she too was becoming angry. And we so rarely see that. I just love that. George says, I'd call our chief of police in River Heights and have him tell you a few things about how cool Nancy is. And Bess says, if you only knew all the wonderful things Nancy has done in her life, you wouldn't dare say these things about her. Mr. Zinn does calm down a little bit, but insists that they do leave. Suits me, said George. If we had wanted to take your old lamps, don't you think we would have left long before this? Yup. Dummy, we would have been good at stealing. Mrs. Zinn has already become fond of them, but Mr. Zinn says we can solve our own mysteries. He does agree not to call the police because he did get the lamps back. Mr. Zinn says you have to go. There may be something to this witch business after all. There are all types of witches. Nancy's eyes flashed. This insult was too much. She said goodbye to Mrs. Zinn, turned on her heel, and walked away. Bess and George followed. George says, well, at least you didn't go to jail. Nice. (laughs) And she says, we all look like witches sometimes, especially after we've washed our hair. I do not have any of this. It's amazing. Particularly me, George says. Self-effacing. Very good look. Nancy jokes she should have brought her costume from Halloween that was also a witch costume. Further proof that she's a witch. But Bess could not see the humor in their predicament. But what if? If Bess is afraid, Mr. Zinn spreads the story of the lamps. The girls might even be asked to leave the county. By the time we return to the Glicks, they may freeze up too and turn us out, she prophesied dolefully. When they get back, Henner, the Glick son, greets them. You old witches, ain't? <laughs> yup. Nancy says, no, you can pinch me. Somehow that proves I'm not a witch. Yeah, because witches are dreams. Wait, what? <laughs> Their silly friends told Henner and Becky, the children, Nancy and her friends are witches. Mrs. Glick scolds Henner. I told you that witches are only make-believe. You're a bad boy for repeating what I told your papa those silly people said. Go help him now. Mrs. Glick says they forget that witches are nothing but old wives' tales. Excuse me? Poor Hope being erased. It's clear that the Holts are spreading propaganda. The policeman who shows up says, Well, you certainly don't look much like a witch. Nancy was thunderstruck. Was he joking? Or did the police believe these foolish rumors too? Well, someone had told them that Nancy was stirring up trouble, and they needed to look into it. We know it's nonsense, but our practice is to investigate anonymous calls whenever possible. (laughs) I traced you here. Can you clear this up, Mrs. Drew? Would you like, clear what up? That you got a call that said I was causing trouble? After all, this anonymous caller said that Nancy Drew had supernatural powers to locate missing persons and solve mysteries. I think they were a little more interested in recruiting her. That's really kind, yeah. Yeah, I think they wanted her on their side. 
After they leave, Nancy dropped into a chair. This is getting worse and worse. That man Holt is really dangerous. It's time to help the motherly Mrs. Glick at market for a day. This is just one of the many like side quests we have to go on. This book is just constant side quests. Tomorrow you are going to forget the mystery and have a good time. So at 4 a.m., she tries to wake up the girls. Bess opened one eye, then dived deeper under the covers. George gave a tremendous yawn and turned over. And Nancy did not even wake up. Are you ready to hear how mine describes the morning? What? The three jumped out of bed. What? Yeah, they just jump out of bed. And yet she still calls them sleepy birds. She has to come back and wake them up again at 4.30. And this time she doesn't leave until they say they're getting up. And she's like, you are going to be too late to help me if you don't get right down here right now. So when they come down, she's making donuts and she calls them sleepy birds. They go to the market and help her set up. And then they're wandering around. They each buy a cooking book and a colorful apron. Bess says, the plainer the people, the fancier their decorations. Also, we learned that all of the people at this market had good color and bright eyes. Bess said, I should think young men would have a hard time keeping track of their dates. Yeah, George grinned. The minute they turn their backs, you can't tell one from another. Yeah, they're all dressed in the same thing. Their bodies are all the same. Bess is a little plump because she wants to stick out in the crowd, honestly. (laughs) And why the frick not? Thick thighs, Bess. Just then, the girls saw an Amish girl coming towards them. It's Manda Kreutz. Wait, no, it's actually her slightly shorter and plumper cousin. He's like identical to Melinda. And luckily the Holtz also mistook Melinda for Manda the day before. They warned her that witch girl is coming and told her to run and hide. Nancy was furious. Melinda said, what I would like to know is who the witch girl was. And Nancy says, I can't tell you. (laughs) The clue that they get from Melinda is pretty important. They find out that Holtz had said something about the schnitz. What do you think he meant by this strange word? Yeah, so it has something to do with apple storage. Just then, as they're walking away, they see Roger Holt. Not his cousin? No. They try to get a police officer to chase after him. The police officer says, I'm sorry, I'm bound by oath to protect this market. I have orders not to leave my beat. Nancy says, I hate making a nuisance of ourselves to the police, so let's just chase them ourselves. It's important to know a cop's beat because if you steal something, you can just stand right outside of it and he can't do anything. He can't touch you. So at this point, Nancy tells herself philosophically, Roger Holt made the witch tree symbol. And so wherever she finds that symbol, that's where Roger Holt is. Of course. (laughs) Very good deduction, Nancy. In the morning, painted on the Glick barn, some vandalism has occurred. There's a witch with a broom and the witch looks a lot like Nancy. (gasps) Bess says, you're going to be harmed. And Nancy scolds her not to say such things in front of small children. Mrs. Glick says, your enemy is a very bad and dangerous man. We don't want him here in Amish country. Nancy decides she will double her efforts. And Mr. Glick says, that is good, but But be careful. Mrs. Glick scolds her children. To be scared of such a nice girl as Nancy is mean. Luckily, Nancy is great with children. And before long, they're all painting the barn. Carson gives a phone call. He says, since you're not home, Hannah's gonna go stay with her sister. Just wanted to make sure you're staying there. But let her know if you want to come home. Nancy says, I shan't be home for several days. So that, you know, we're only halfway through the book. 
Also, Carson says, I've got a surprise coming for you. <laughs> Nancy's like, oh, what? You're going to have some friends visiting you. Now, I don't know about you, Carl, but I know what the surprise is at this point. Nancy has only so many friends. Who would surprise her by driving all the way to Pennsylvania? Yeah, who shows up if you've got a mystery no matter where you are? Ned Nickerson. <laughs> but the girls think it's probably Mrs. Tenney, who's unhappy with Nancy lack of progress on the case yeah she's probably chasing them down to be like get my cousin Bess and George help weed the garden, but not Nancy. She has some sleuthing to do. Follows footprints away from the painted barn and finds nothing. <laughs> Bess comes down, fancied up. Ooh. And Mrs. Glick says, you must be expecting a young man. And Bess says, well, one can never tell. <laughs> I think Bess has guessed that it's the boys. Bess knows who the friends yeah. are. So it sure enough is the boys. I can only imagine that they would have been a little less accepting of boys just visiting girls yeah because nancy and ned are just friends Mm -hmm. bess and dave are also just friends but george George. occasionally dates bert and even that like often dated yeah the very idea shouldn't your papa be telling you who to marry but ned says of course that's what we're here for Mm -hmm. he knows the deal bert says no that's not what i'm (laughs) here for i've come up here for a good time I assume this is Bess flirting, but they say she's arching her eyebrows and smiling so that her dimples showed, which sounds a little scary. I'm making that face now. Does it look good? (laughs) No, it doesn't. George says, you boys will sure have to go into training to make the football team after you leave here. Yes, even the boys are not free from George's judgment about their eating. Flee from this place, for it makes you fat. They decide they're going to go to a barn dance at the Fisher farm didn't they give them two options yeah i can't remember the it was option. a barn dance or a sing-along yeah 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 and they chose the barn dance over the sing-along so ned gets it in his head that he wants to bring nancy in an open carriage well he wants just a carriage but nancy's like we're not married so we need an open carriage yeah apparently you don't get the top of a carriage until you get married yeah no canoodling that way i wonder if a surrey with a fringe on top is allowed Ned says, I'll take one of those closed jobs after I graduate. What say, Nancy? I didn't know you wanted to marry an Amish girl, teases Nancy. (laughs) Yeah, you'll have to give up college and all worldly pleasures if you expect to marry an Amish girl. Cleverly deflected, Nancy. Because really the worst proposal ever, Ned? Yeah. If I were to propose to you again... Get down on one knee and say, what say? What say, Carl? (laughs) Make me the happiest man alive. What say? Ain't? Even buggies get followed and chased and... And that's what happens to Ned and Nancy. Love it. In fact, there's two buggies racing each other behind them. Drag racing is a serious problem in the Amish community. Fast and Furious Amish Drift. Yep. All the other kids are at the dance mm-hmm. because they have sensibly chosen a convertible. <laughs> Bess and Dave are already exhausted from dancing. Heavy judgment there. They're not sports people. George says, it's strange that Nancy and Ned haven't arrived. Oh, well. But says, I guess they're enjoying the buggy ride. Wink, wink. 
I feel like, yeah, they're making out in the carriage is basically the implication mm. here. But just then, a girl comes running in, yelling. There was a bad accident, and the witch girl was in it. What I love about this whole event is that it wasn't even a villain who literally ran them off the road and tipped their carriage. It was just some irresponsible teen driver. Yeah. Like an Amish PSA. Yeah, don't speed. So we hear that the witch girl, she flew into the air. Carl pointed out that the picture makes it look like she flew two feet. Yeah, they're just laying right by the carriage. To make matters worse, Nancy is now missing. So everybody thinks the witch girl just flew off into the night. When the, I guess, Amish driver comes back to check on them, it's taken long enough that they've left. (laughs) The assumption is, well, I last saw them flying through the air in a car accident, and they're not here, so witches. Bess says, do you suppose it was Nancy? (laughs) Yeah, there's lots of witch girls in this town. Just flighting about. They're convinced that this is another of the Holt's scoundrelly moves. Mm. The group goes back and forth between the glicks and the barn dance, getting increasingly worried and making up multiple excuses about why, no, this is normal. Nancy and Ned are fine. Nancy didn't come back to the glicks. Maybe she went to the barn dance. (laughs) But she's not at the barn dance. She must have gone to the glicks. Yeah, yeah. Best as if talking to herself says, I wish that I did have witch-like powers. Because then she could save Nancy. It turns out that Nancy and Ned saw Holt driving a carriage, followed him on a horse first, and then he switched off the carriage to a helper. Specifically, the lanterns on this carriage they're following are dimmed to the minimum allowed by law. Nancy thinks that this man surely knows he's being followed and that he may be tricking them into trouble. Mm Mm-hmm. And yet they follow him into the woods. You gotta find out what kind of trouble. At one point, Ned says, that fellow must be crazy to drive so fast. So this guy, with minimum light, dark, dark night, as I understand it, no moon, Mm -hmm. is racing through what we learn is an unfamiliar woods to him. The beast is upon me. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. However, we learn that Ned and Nancy were not molested during this time. Do they say that in your book? Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah, good. (laughs) Good. The carriage stops Mm -hmm. at like a little river. This might be a trap, but Ned and Nancy go forward anyways. The man might be meeting with someone because he gets out of his carriage and he makes into the forest. But in the end, they decide he just didn't know the way and didn't want to navigate a tiny river in the night, in the dark, in a place he didn't know. And he left a carriage full of antiques. Ned says, what's going on here? And Ned finds... A footstool that she knows belongs to the Fullet Mansion. (gasps) Proof! Nancy wants to drive the carriage and Ned can ride the horse Mm -hmm. to the police station. Because if they leave the carriage, it might be gone when they come back. I thought that they were framing Nancy and Ned. That That would have been smart. now that Nancy and Ned are going off with stolen goods. They're calling her a witch. They've already been calling her a thief. That would have been really smart. But that is not the case. However, Ned does not think this was a safe thing for Nancy to do. So outwardly showing no fear, but each very nervous, they do Nancy's plan, of course. Mm -hmm. They make it back to the barn dance and they call the police from the Fisher's farmhouse. The police congratulated Nancy as a thorough and discerning detective. Ned wants to brag even more about Nancy, but she gives him a warning look. 
So now they think maybe the others are still at the dance, and if they're not, surely we can get a ride. They go in, and immediately... This is amazing. I love this. Somebody yells out, the witch girl! The witch boy! They've flown back here to hex us! Yep. The only reasonable thing is that they never landed, they flew about the town, and they finally landed here at the barn dance... To to, hex us. Yeah, to give us bad luck. The music stops. Can you do Dramatically. A no, I can't. <laughs> they are basically mobbed a little bit, right? For a second, yeah. Weary from all that has happened, Nancy was in no condition to cope with the oncoming hostile group. Uh, it's just a nuisance. It's not like to protect herself, it's just to friggin' cope. Ned took command. Mm. And he said, Stop! Nancy is an excellent detective, but she is not a witch girl. But, and. (laughs) Uh, And he's very convincing. Yeah, I love the moments when a man gets to step in to tell everyone who Nancy Drew is. The crowd disperses, the music goes back on, and their friends arrive. Back at the Glicks, they all say a prayer of thanks. There was a minute of silent contemplation as they all thanked God that Nancy and Ned were not hurt in the car accident. And then have a midnight snack. So the boys leave, and Nancy says, Ned, you've been a big help. It's a pretty big compliment coming from Nancy. Now they're off to a quilting to make a quilt for a girl's dowry. Mm-hmm. Gotta build up that dowry. Mrs. Glick seems very surprised that the girls are not marrying those boys. Bess says, none of us is ready to marry yet, even though those boys are nice. We've got our whole lives ahead of us. We could marry at 19, 20, mm-hmm. even 21. In this the dowry is just like basically home goods that you have set aside it's like a hope chest i had a hope chest. yeah 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 yeah. with like stuff for starting a household there's a lot of stuff about this quilting but we're gonna skip ahead george nancy and bess go off to search around where the carriage was left to try to find mr holt could be clues after they go significantly into the wilderness Mm -hmm. george says well this didn't turn out so well she's ready to pack it in but nancy says the wilder it gets the more likely it is to be roger holt's hideout you have to remember george is regularly bitten by snakes in these situations so they did come upon a tumble down house and Bess says we'd better be careful and sure enough george has her accident of the book her leg goes into a hole then she falls into the hole it's kind of like quicksand they described it like it was quicksand but they were very clear that it wasn't george panicked significantly more than I've seen her panic before. She says, help, I'll be smothered. When they finally get her out, she says, good night. Where's my uh, hypers? They all were quiet because it was a real shock to all of them. Nancy decides that nobody must be in the tumble-down house or they surely would have run to help George. I love that. Even though we're looking for a villain. We were yelling and screaming and yeah, what villain would leave poor girls being eaten by the earth? I would be like, wow, we just warned every one of our presents. There's no one here who would help us, and anyone who wouldn't doesn't have rights. So let's just go on in. But they hear a thump in the attic. Yes. George says, I guess it was nothing. Let's get out of here, though. Being a real bass about this. <laughs> Nancy's like, no way. I'm going up. Bess doesn't want her to. But Nancy says, bend over and let me climb up. 
and Bess does. I am so enamored with the picture, the illustration they have. Mm. Bess, who's incredibly thin, mm. is bent over less than you'd have to bend over to tie your shoe. Just yeah. a little bit. Mm. And Nancy is standing full height on her shoulders. <laughs> Which makes not only the ceiling of this tumble-down farmhouse incredibly high, mm-hmm. as Nancy reaches above her head to barely open this attic door, but also makes them some sort of acrobatic tumblers that they can just hop on shoulders. If you have no horse, Bess will do in a pinch. And Bess has been taking that dance class for reducing, mm-hmm. so maybe that helps. I don't know. Mm-hmm. When Nancy opens this door to the attic, a bunch of dirt and newspapers fall upon her head. (gasps) Newspapers! Everybody's coughing from the dirt. Follow the footprints in the dirt while George guards the house. Judo skills. George uses a ruse to find out if there's another person in the house. What was that ruse? She slams the front door. It's the classic like... Oh, that's right. Like when I didn't want my parents to know I was watching TV. Mm. Alright, I'm going to bed. Clump, 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 (laughs) clump, clump. George's ankle by this point is pretty swollen, and she discovers the witch tree. It's grotesque, and its branches resembled a witch on a broom. Its branches didn't, like, knot together to form a broom. They show the whole ass witch, Mm -hmm. which is impressive. But also, like, not much more than you get out of a Halloween decoration, so not too scary. It's described as a strange, bewhiskered tree. George rightly decides this might be related to the witch tree symbol. George hears a scream, but decides to stay at her post. Very sensible. But when Bess and Nancy get back, they say it wasn't us, it was someone else. We chased her down, but we couldn't tell because she's Amish who she was. I assumed it was someone who saw Nancy and was like, ah, you know, the witch girl, and got scared. Yeah, that's also what I I don't want us to forget. It was one of the villainesses. She saw a dog. A stray dog, yes. Yeah, this was a weird subplot. George says with excitement, if anything ever looked like a witch tree, this one does. Nancy climbs it, but she can't find any clues. So she says, I think it's just a landmark of some sort, which isn't again true because it's one of two witch trees that are significant. Nancy goes into the attic to see if she can find any more clues. Again, based on that picture, I don't know how the hell she gets up there. She left her flashlight in the car, so she borrows George's tiny flashlight. (laughs) The only thing in this attic is a Bible. That's all they find up there. Inside it says that it was given to Rachel Holt. Mrs. Glick explains that those things they saw on that bewhiskered tree are called witch's broom or hex base. George is too hurt to go with Nancy and Bess, who go to visit the Crutzes. Yeah, George has to take a time out. Papa has now decided that they told Manda to run away, and he has told many people that. Mrs. Crutz being like, get the hell in here. Yeah, be quiet, get in here. Don't let anyone see you. Mr. Crutz isn't home. Nancy asks if she knows of a schnitz nearby. Mrs. Crutz gasps because Manda asked her the same thing. <gasps> Mrs. Crutz says, please forgive me for speaking in Pennsylvanian Dutch. Nancy felt she should remind Mrs. Krutz that the convertible parked outside was a dead giveaway that they were in the house. What an iconic moment. Girl, you don't need to be a detective mm-hmm. to know that's not your convertible. But I'm not I'm not saying anything. I don't want to bother you. She was going to say something, but then she gets distracted. 
Mrs. Krutz says that they might find out more about the Schnitz from an old man in the neighborhood who knows everything. The wise old man. He lives in a three-generation house. At length, they explain what a three-generation house is. You have a house, and then when the kids get the house, you build a smaller part of a house. Mm. And as you get older, you keep getting smaller portions of the house built on for you. If you're doing a mystery and there's a wise old man who knows everything, just start there. Start with the guy who knows everything. Not only should you go visit the old man who knows everything about the neighborhood, if your daughter said something about going to a schnitz and people are looking for your daughter who is missing, you should probably mention that she was headed to a schnitz. Oh, she's a homemaker, not a detective. (laughs) They go to visit the old man and they're just in time to attend a schnitzing. Bess says it smells heavenly. They go right to the kettle house where they know schnitz parties are. So the old man is tall, erect. He has kind blue eyes. He says that the schnitz used to belong to a holt. Nancy could hardly conceal her excitement. Yes, go on, she says. He says, no, it's dangerous. It's like death. Everyone who goes there dies. You might vanish mysteriously. Nancy says, but why? Tell us so that we can save Manda. No, no, no. This information is so deadly. But he shook his head and wagged a finger at the girls. Stay away from that spot. It is very bad luck. But with prodding, he does tell them where to go. Bess asks, should we not go there because it's dangerous? He explains. (laughs) Long ago, the Holtz lived there and they were hexed. Family members just up and disappear all over this land. The quote unquote gypsies, please see our mini-sode about the Romani stereotypes, Mm -hmm. camped on his land. Mr. Holt said furiously, get the heck out. Stop it. (laughs) But they just went and lived in his forest instead. And what should happen but his eldest child wanders into that forest and falls in love. The Holts now had even worse luck. Their son falls in love with a fortune teller, which... Oh, the shame. They plan to get married, but the dad says, I will disinherit you if you marry this girl. So he doesn't. He doesn't marry her. I feel like if someone said, I want to marry you, but you know what? I'm not going to because I'd rather have an inheritance. That's who I'd be mad at. Right, exactly. And I think by the end we find out that she wasn't that mad at him. Also, I have to say, Roger Holt... I expected him to be her child. I expected that they did get married in the end. And it's never clear that they didn't. So maybe they did. This woman, more mad at the father than the son, says, look, if you let me marry your son, I will tell why your family members keep going missing. So the old man says Mr. Holt made a terrible choice and said no marriage. Legend has it that she did leave a clue to the secret in the George Washington table. Fuller's own the farm now. They also had bad luck, but no disappearances, just illnesses and things like that. So now they've left, the house is empty. Abandoned. They still own it though. Technically. And nobody knows if they're coming back or not. Yep. The old man said, Manda is pretty and she is a good worker. She will soon get a husband and her papa will not have to worry. The girls chuckled too, recalling that Melinda had said the same thing but like 
Gross. Yeah. Nancy wants to go immediately to search Fullerland. Land. haunted land. But Bess puts her foot down. She is certainly not going without George and at least half a dozen other people. Nancy laughed. Where are these people? And she realizes Bess wants the police involved. She says, we haven't one definite thing to go on. Dragging officers out on what may be a wild goose chase wouldn't be right. She would never do that. And besides, I want to let Manda get away before I call in the police. Because we don't want Manda to get any bad publicity. It would be a shame if she was involved with the criminals she's involved with. Bess finally concedes, but does insist they wait until morning and bring George. course best reminds nancy roger holt tried to brain us yeah with a stack of newspapers yeah yeah no telling what he'll do nancy did not comment on this remark best theorizes that maybe a secret danger caused that scream earlier or maybe some kind of witch or other hex again it was a dog nancy it probably was only a snake which honestly more reasonable than a dog it was a dog <laughs> So back home, little Becky Glick asks, what is a gypsy like and how do you tell fortunes? Now this would be a really good learning opportunity for any kiddos if they walk up to you and ask you this to to teach them that this is a stereotype about Romani people. Mrs. Glick says, there is no more sense to fortune telling than there is to hexing. Now we will talk no more about nonsense. You know, if you have kids, it's important that you educate them as little as possible, but then tell them not to talk about it. It's a big secret secret. It's about now that we learn about the tragic passing of somebody near and dear to us. Bess receives a phone call. Hello? Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Bye. She hangs up, and then she bursts into tears. She grabs... Such bad news, Nancy! Yeah, she grabs... She grabs Nancy's arm. Oh, Nancy, I don't know how to break such news. It's just so weird that they specify she hasn't burst into tears until she hangs up. What a weird trauma response. Yep. So this was a call from Carson Drew's secretary. Carson has come down with a fatally vague illness. Mr. Drew is dangerously ill at the hospital, and it was doubtful that he would ever recover. He keeps calling out for you, and everybody thinks you should come home at once. Everybody's saying so, Nancy. I heard it from his secretary, who called me instead of you. Nancy had turned chalk white. She was completely stunned. Too stunned even to shed a tear. Mr. Glick suggests that that she not drive in this state of being as she grabs the keys. And instead, he's going to arrange a flight for her. She only hoped she would not be too late to see her father alive. Just one last time before he dies of illness. while George had remained silent. It was not because of a lack of sympathy. The whole procedure was most irregular. Come Georgie boy, this is your time to shine. First of all, Hannah should have called. Or at least George's or Bess's parents, obviously. She thinks it's probably a hoax. And if it wasn't Bess's parents who called, they would have called Nancy. There's a new secretary. So Bess wouldn't even know what her voice sounded like because this is a new secretary. But Nancy probably would have, so it Mm. makes sense that that's why they didn't call Nancy. This is a lot of sleuth work from George, and I'm pretty proud of her. She says, hey guys, did the operator say that this call was from River Heights? You know, the operator...
vibrator that you get when the, when a long distance number comes through. We didn't get that. We got the thing when it's from local where there's no operator. Why does that matter? Upon George sharing her theory, Nancy's heart leaped with hope. George's idea was a very good one. George calls up Mrs. Fane and she says, nonsense. I just spoke to Mr. Drew who was leaving town again no more than five minutes ago. He mentioned that he was chock full of health and had no illnesses. And I did think this was sweet of George. She's like, just a second, Ma. I'm going to go tell Nancy that her father's still alive. Yeah. (laughs) She comes back and she says, it's wicked. It was a pretty cruel method to get Nancy to leave. Mother, you know how Nancy is. She won't give up. Nancy says, Mrs. Roger Holt got the better of me that time. Weary from the long day and the fright that they just had, they went to bed early. All of them wanted to be fresh for the exciting detective work ahead of them. So Henner in the morning, they notice, is practicing with his slingshot. Mm -hmm. Mrs. Glick says, yeah, he is good. He could be a hunter, but sometimes he messes up. Yeah, Nancy's like, is it safe for that literal child to have that weapon? (laughs) And they're like, yes! Well, Nancy's more like, I think he'll be a hunter someday. Uh, See, she was worried in mind about the safety of the child. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. So Nancy goes out and she's like, what you doing? And he's like, I'm playing David and Goliath. (laughs) Yep, classic Christian game. And... I'm gonna kill a big man. He has to explain that to Nancy. Weird. (laughs) I'm going to protect you. And Nancy says, you'd better not. If any bad people come around here, you let your dad handle them. (laughs) So now Nancy thoughtfully picks a bouquet for the Glick's table. Bess shrieks, look out! But it's too late. Henner has shot Nancy. Yeah, Henner's pretty good with the slingshot. He can't throw rocks fast enough that you don't see them headed towards your friends and have time to yell look out Mm -hmm. but he does send them fast enough to knock a girl unconscious you know the perfect speed oh mama maybe i've killed nancy before mrs glick can answer he runs off crying this is dreadful says mrs glick since nancy got hit on the back of the neck we can't just treat this like a head injury and not call the doctor it's worse it's time to call the doctor maybe nancy has amnesia and they can take her into her home overboard style Doctor says Nancy needs to be quiet for the rest of the day. Nancy defends Henner, saying, Please don't punish him, Mrs. Glick. He meant no harm. He was just stalling the book for us. (laughs) Yeah, because at this point, again, we know where the villain is. We know who the villain is. We know what the villain's done, mm. and it's they're like down the road. They're they're the next two farms over. How, how are we going to keep Nancy from getting there for you know another half a book? Yeah, Mrs. Glick says, yeah, he's probably already suffered enough, but I am going to take his slingshot away. So the doctor says, stay on this sofa until bedtime. Don't even walk around. Nancy has no opportunity to object before he runs off. Nancy sadly mentioned having to postpone her sleuthing. Bess said, if you try to get off that sofa, I'm going to tie you down. Nancy smiled softly. Going to sleep was the only thing that appealed to her. (laughs) Oh, immediately go to sleep. Have a steak and then go to sleep. So she's fine the next morning, luckily, and she's set to go find Manda and her thieving employers. Mrs. Glick playfully shoes them out of the house where they discover that Nancy's convertible has been stolen. Bess says, you've been hexed again. This hex is always causing specific people to mess with you. Nancy says, well, whether it was a hex or not, it's certainly bad luck. 
Which seems like a that's weird admission it, it's for so her. It's so strange. That's, first of all, mm. that's what a hex is. This entire time, that's what a hex has been. She thinks maybe it was Roger Holt. Secondly, I, I don't know if that's bad luck so much as the consequence of your actions. George says, this isn't going to stop you, is it? Nancy, of course not. Tossing oh, her sh- head vehemently. There's got to be another way to get around. Bess recommends they rent a car. Mm-hmm. Nancy informs the police that her car has been stolen. Mm-hmm. And now Henner, wanting to make up for almost killing her, offers to ride her around in his carriage. Listen, I may be ten. I may have almost killed you, but let me drive you around. The officer arriving on the scene spots non-Amish footprints. You can tell by the way they prance. I think it's the shoes. Mr. Glick makes all the shoes around here. Remember, he's a cop. Ah, he does every shoe. Yeah. Nancy says, I think this was Roger Holt, and that's enough for the officer to add this to the list of suspicions against Roger Holt that the police are keeping. Mrs. Glick agrees that Henner can take the carriage and drive them, but she's going with them. Henner says, I'll protect everyone. I'm strong. Becky is wistful that she has to stay home and do chores. I mean, that sucks. That's the life, Becky. (laughs) That's the life you're in. Henner proceeds to crash the carriage as a rabbit crosses the road in front of him. The wheel was in one rut, then the other wheel got in another, and the ruts, like, separated, like the road was bad. I just love the idea of the road pulling your cart apart. Henner starts crying again, blaming himself, but Mrs. Glick says, this is a dreadful road. It's not your fault. So now they have to borrow another carriage from the Baylors. Now, the Baylors are having a barn raising. We learn about barn raisings. Henner runs up to his buddy Michael Baylor, and as they're running towards each other, a beam falls towards them. Nancy, with her lightning speed, pushes them out of the way. Faster than a speeding slingshot rock. Oh, Nancy, you kept us from being dead already yet. The Amish have such a beautiful way of speaking. Mrs. Baylor says, you are a brave girl. Have some lunch. <laughs> That's the only way they know how to express anything in this place. Nancy's like, that's fine. I need to get it to go, though. So she gives her a large angel food cake with whipped cream frosting, several pieces of fried chicken, fried chicken, a dozen donuts, a dozen donuts, and a jug of lemonade. Jug of lemonade. Mrs. Glick says, I must admit that I never thought any women were so brave as the Amish, but you have made me see that a girl does not have to be brought up like a pioneer to be courageous and helpful to others. Do you hear that, young lady readers? Have you learned a lesson? You can be brave too. Nancy flushed. Bess insisted that they take time out to eat, and no one else had to be persuaded. But we do need to know but that it, it was, was Bess who did yeah. it. Mrs. Glick tells them how impressive this angel food cake is. There are two dozen eggs in this cake, and the beating of them surely took an hour. I don't know if you've ever made angel food cake from scratch without a mixer, but I have. Mm-hmm. It is quite the undertaking. Your arm will be very sore. Bess did not like to see the group split up once they get to the Fuller Farm. But she does agree that that's the most practical plan. She insists that they first go to the storehouse altogether. They discover another witch tree with the now familiar hex painted on it. But wait, what is that floating about the tree? It seems that there is a hand, almost as if disembodied, painting the hex. 
Yeah, Nancy's spine tingles as if she's seeing a ghost. Look again, it's an arm reaching out from behind the tree to paint it. Yeah, we find out later that apparently the boy had been instructed to paint the hex, but to not let anyone see. Now, this is not an intelligent boy. He uh, is, he's uh, a stout, dull-looking boy. <laughs> he cannot hear or speak which is language I prefer. Nancy refers to him as deaf and dumb, but Manda later says that he's a person who can't talk or hear, and that's a little bit more people-first language. He saw them coming, and he hid behind the tree. But, thinking to himself, I do need to do my chore still, he attempted to reach around the tree to paint while hiding. As Nancy's trying to question this boy, Bess yells, Come here, Nancy! Nancy arrives on the scene to find Bess and George are talking to the sweet-faced Manda. It's Manda from the beginning of the book. She says, No, the Holtz aren't thieves. They are very nice people. And they are restoring this old house. And they have lots of antique furniture. George says, Nice people. They're anything but that. You explain, Nancy. I, 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 I just, I can't even. I can't even. But she cannot believe it. She says, they're very kind. They pay me a lot. I do not see how Mr. Holt could be a thief. George says, well, he is. And the sooner you get out of here, the better. Also, he's paying you in counterfeit 20s. Like, let's not forget. Manda hangs her head and says she has no place to go. But the girls tell her, nope, your parents forgive you. Go home. Yay! Forgive her for, well, it doesn't matter. For running away. I mean, yeah, I guess. But she ran away because she couldn't be talked to. So, like, did that get resolved? Not really. So Amanda says, you speak the truth? <laughs> and Bess says, of course Nancy's telling the truth indignantly. So Bess and George seem to be very indignant towards Amanda, but Nancy doesn't blame her. So Nancy thinks, I must convince her somehow. So she tells her about the George Washington tables, and this breaks the case wide open. Amanda's like, oh yeah, they do have George Washington tables. Four of them, in fact. And she finally believes Nancy. Amanda says, I'm not going to report to the police. You will have to do that. Fair enough. The fact that the Holtz were not at home pleased Nancy. Now she can go identify the furniture before the police come. Mm -hmm. Amanda says, oh yeah, Mr. Holt said not to ever talk about the furniture in case somebody came and stole it. He's super honest. George says, that was a clever cover-up. Nancy, well, our search has ended. This is definitely the furniture. And now the search begins for oh, the secret... <laughs> this is the end of the book. Bess says, you deserve a lot of credit, Nance, but it will be a relief to wind up this case. And I vote for that too. Although it has been a lot of fun, says George. Congratulations, Nancy. Nancy says, I never could have done it alone. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Guys, finish the... Fin the wait. end. Wait, guys, finish. there's so much left. This is where mine ends. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so Nancy says, we're going to go get the police and tell on Mr. Holt. And just then Mr. Holt comes in and says, you will never do that. You will die first. And locks them all in the attic with the furniture. Of the ways people have left Nancy to die, this was perhaps the most disingenuous because she's not tied up. It's not on fire. They just have to find a way out. And there's fear. It's like, oh, it's hot up here. It could have suffocated. We could suffocate eventually. But it was more of a stalling action. It's really a step down from the danger we've seen in recent books. But like the first 10 books, it was the main way that the villains tried to kill them. If I was on the jury, I would not tag attempted murder onto this. I don't think so. I 
think the fact that he said you will die first, I think that that counts. Objection. Use of non-literal language. I don't know how law works. I'm just saying. Amanda tells him he has no right to lock them in there. Let us out. And Mr. Holt responds with a mocking laugh. <laughs> Bess says, we're prisoners. He's going to leave us to die. She's frantic and the attic is hot and stuffy. Nobody will ever find us here. Yes, panic. That's only helping. Nancy felt far from cheerful, but she tried to encourage her friends. Perhaps Mrs. Glick and Henner would bring help. Bess is like, oh no, they won't. That awful man has probably captured them too. We're dead. Manda proceeds to blame herself for the whole thing. She should have known that he wouldn't be gone all day. Nancy persuades her not to blame herself, but secretly blames herself because she had been so close to capturing the thief and then had lost her chance. All right, everyone, blame yourselves. George finds a ventilator, however, the practical one of the group. She's been a real MVP this uh, particular book. So they can't get out through the ventilator, but at least they can go up there if they want more air. Anyone feeling faint, come take a breath. Nancy says, maybe we can use that ventilator for another purpose. Yeah, we can signal for help with it. Amanda suggests that they use a kerosene lantern. Yes, Amanda, you are becoming a good detective. (laughs) We are told that Nancy knows that matches and a flashlight were part of her detective equipment. But this time, her flashlight is in her stolen car. Okay, it's always not with you, Nancy. (laughs) It is not helpful (laughs) when it's always not with you. They have to wait for darkness to come before they can signal. In Mm -hmm. the meantime, Nancy sets about trying to find the secret drawers in the George Washington tables. The secret drawers of George Washington. Well, if she can't find them, nobody can find them. And surely this girl, this fortune teller of old, could never have found the secret drawer. So where else would she have stuck a note? Yeah, I love this. Very presumptuous. Very correct. So she notices that there is one longer leg. No one's ever noticed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She unscrews it and there's a small piece of paper folded in the leg. And it must be well folded because it unfolds to a whole ass letter. It's a love letter. It's beautiful. This was so much like Secret of Shadow Ranch. Like so much like the same story. Yeah. Uh, Only the guy in this was kind of more of a jerk. Yeah. (laughs) In the letter, she tells her lover, okay, there's a crystal cave full of diamonds and such. Very nice. I'm imagining like where the seven dwarves go to work. right but the problem is there's a sinkhole above it you can fall into it i almost died there but my brother gato was there to save me and that's where your men have probably been disappearing it's a beautiful crystal cave full of diamonds and corpses and i don't quite understand this but somehow she planted flowers over it so now you can't sink there anymore no 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 no. and that's why the fullers have never lost anyone there i totally understood that she planted flowers there so no one would find it no, so no one would fall in. That makes no sense. George fell in, you... Oh. I don't know that it was the same hole. Also, it's been so long, maybe the flowers need to be replanted or whatever. Either way, she hid the death trap and still loves the guy who chose his inheritance. And she hopes he will take this gesture of hers to mean that she loves him too and they can get married. She signs it, your loving gypsy Amaya, which is how I don't think people sign things. But she is allowed to use that word. Mm, But the writer of this novel is not. Correct. Uh, was not, because I assume she's not alive anymore. Bess thinks this solves nothing. 
They're still trapped in this attic where they're going to die. And now Mr. Holt is going to be a rich man and all of us will be dead. But we'll die, says Nancy, with the mystery solved. (laughs) She does not say that. George chided her cousin for such melancholy thoughts. So now they signal, Mm -hmm. SOS, they take turns until their arms are exhausted. Here's our learning moment. SOS is three short, three long, three short. Which I did already know. (laughs) (laughs) On the scene arrive the police. They burst in Wagner and Schmidt, the police officers. Wagner and Schmidt, SOS division. Bess exclaims, oh boy, I never was more glad in my whole life to see anybody. Sorry, Dave. (laughs) Nancy Drew, it is remarkable how you have solved this mystery. Nancy says, but it isn't completely solved. She suggests that the Holtz have stolen her car. The police say, that's a very good deduction. So Mrs. Glick and Henner are missing, but they find them gagged and bound to the witch tree. The Holtz get stopped, and there's another man with them, just because there have to be. He's the extra guy. No name, no presence in the novel. It doesn't say he did anything, because basically Roger Holt did everything, and his wife did all the phone calls. Again, he might have been the one, (laughs) because there had to be someone, like, leaving notes in all the right places, and also keeping an eye on Nancy to know all the stuff. So he might have been the one at the dance that they followed. We don't know still for sure. He was also the stray dog. (laughs) Damn. That was so funny. (laughs) So (laughs) the police were doing their own investigation for once. Sure. They had tracked down that the Holtz should be here and were trying to get Roger Holt. And so it was a complete coincidence that they showed up, though they did see the signal. These are old-fashioned Amish police. They Mm. solve mysteries the old-fashioned way, by hand. It's better than the other police. Well, says Bess, you were just in the nick of time. I was nearly suffocated. And I was hungry, too. I'm glad we found you, but that doesn't lessen the fact that it is Nancy Drew who solved this case. Just to be clear, not the police. Not us. We didn't do it. Nancy made no comment. As always happened when she had solved a mystery, she began to wonder what the next challenge would be. She began to wonder when she would become enmeshed in another exciting adventure, such as our next novel, The Hidden Window. The Hidden Window Room. The Hidden Window Mystery. Oh. You mentioned that what's so weird about this is is this is nowhere near the last page that this is said. Correct. So there's quite a bit left. We hear all about how Roger posed as an Amish man, resorted both to violence and defamation of character against Nancy. He did that. In the end, the witch tree symbol was his undoing. He should have never dropped that in the house that he stole furniture from. Well, and the best part is it kind of seems like they were trying to renovate the house and the reason for so many witch tree symbols around the house was the same as the earlier witch tree symbols which is just for pretty he just liked that symbol and associated it maybe with his family because he just wanted to take the family farm back and thought the best way to do that was to furnish it with stolen antiques he did in fact return to the scene of the crime realizing he had dropped his paper with the symbol yeah which was the whole way nancy got any idea what was going on he he followed nancy home 
after he had been in the attic and that's why he that's when he saw her dog and just out of spite ran it down the worst thing he did in the whole novel now do you think mrs holt's maiden name is fuller and so she does in fact own this land or do you think he decided to just like move into an abandoned house and pretend like it was his now i assume that one right that's what i assumed at first but then i started wondering it'd be more interesting if it like it did belong to him what's fascinating to me is you know what never comes up where he got all this counterfeit money from nope, like that's not an important part that of should be the thing mm-hmm. right like more than stealing furniture there should be a whole mystery around the fairly accurate counterfeiting of 20 dollars bills doesn't come up again low stakes again more like the original books because yeah. these criminals haven't really done much yeah but they inconvenienced nancy <laughs> and her neighbor who's still sitting at home rubbing her hands and thinking about her cousin going to jail manda says oh i am so happy to have met a wonderful person like you and wouldn't you know it manda met a handsome man in lancaster and is in fact getting married oh thank god that takes care of that she invites Nancy, George, and Bess to the wedding, but she tells them they have to keep it a secret for now. Nancy says, we'd love to. George says, you couldn't keep us away. And Bess says, will there be food? It sounds dreamy. And you Amish have wonderful wedding feasts. There Ain't. It is. Ain't. <laughs> Another one in the old treasury of river heights radio archive we're so glad you joined us look forward to talking to you next time ain't uh yeah yeah until then i'm carl and i'm hope and together we say go Go wildcats ain't to have a special episode about this video game sometime i have a we have a there's a host of video games we can um oh i don't know put them on our patreon remember to support us at our patreon (laughs) you can email us at riverheightsradio at google.com or find our patreon river heights radio we'd really appreciate it instagram at river heights radio twitter at river heights fm River Heights Radio on Facebook and River Heights Radio on YouTube. Uh, and give us a review or five stars on uh, Apple Podcast or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever you're listening. Yeah, if you listen this far, I mean, why not? We actually put a, a lot of hours 